Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. What's up, y'all? I'm KC. And I'm Tyler. And this is another Big Buck Breakdown from the Element Podcast. Brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. All right, on this show today, we have got Dave Skinner, who has been on the show before, a uh, really, really good mind in the whitetail world, and uh, a dude that, that knows a lot of stuff, really. I mean, he's land expert, deer expert, and he has showed it to us by killing another giant buck. Dave, what's happening, man? Oh, not much, buddy. Just uh, coming off the high from a pretty awesome season. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, dude, and you you have for sure. Y'all, uh it's good that you've you've killed some stuff that way you can just you know concentrate on christmas and be a family man right because i'm not good at that (laughs) (laughs) to me either according to my wife (laughs) exactly see i I think i'm so so good and my wife um might have things to say is all i'm gonna say so (laughs) anyways man you you smoked a giant recently he he was a good deer. I don't know if I'd classify him as a giant, but I'm I'm pretty tickled with him. Yeah. Well, we live in the land of small deer, so um, you know, you can you can use our scale or our gradient down here if you want to. <laughs> good to me. Yeah. So uh tell us about it, man. Is this a deer you you've known for a while? You know, I've got this I've got this farm that never really produces what I consider a giant deer. I've got a lot of good mature bucks. Um, but I get a lot of those four-year-old eight-pointers that a lot of people won't take a second look at and this was one of those deer last year and he really wasn't much changed um on a typical year i don't know that i would give this deer a second glance to, to be honest with you but i just didn't have anything showing up and this deer was a no-show right up until wednesday a week ago um hadn't had any photos of him all year long and uh um 
I didn't have a deer I, I even remotely wanted to shoot. Um, had a buck that I had been waiting on, but I called a flyer nine. He was six six years old pretty easily, had three years of history with him. Um, he was pretty much unchanged over those three years. And I'm like, this deer is ripe for picking. I was anxiously awaiting him all year. And he usually showed up about the third week of October. Third week of October came and went, no show. Fourth week of October, no show. Pretty soon we're getting into gun season. We're about a week before gun season. And I start really analyzing pictures, and I realize I had him on camera. But one side was missing, and he only oh. grew three points on his right side. He oh. might have scored 40 inches. Um, had lost <laughs> probably 60, 70 pounds of body weight. Was just a fraction of the man he was just a year ago. Oh, my gracious. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, my season pretty much went to, excuse my French, hell in a handbasket about that quick. Um, and uh, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have anything I wanted to kill. Um, so, the, the rifle season came and went. And then a week ago, Wednesday, I don't remember the exact date, uh, probably around the 9th, 8th or 9th of, of December, this buck shows up. And uh, at the time, I didn't recognize him. To be honest, I didn't recognize him until after I killed him. I went back and started looking through through photos and, and found him from last year. He was pretty much unchanged, just another year older. Um, so, Yeah, that's awesome, man. So did you uh, – Did you? I, I guess I kind of missed. Did you – you shot him with a bow? Is that right? No, I didn't. I okay. killed him with I killed him with a muzzleloader. We've got oh, cool. a nine day long late muzzleloader season in Kentucky. That if the weather's right and you got food, man, it can be really, really good. And this was one of those years where everything kind of come together. So you said you were kind of sitting over a food plot, or how how, how did you set up on him? I was over a food plot. Um, he had been coming in every morning. <laughs> on that food plot Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but the wind was wrong for me to get in there. You know, I could have bow hunted him had the wind been right. Yeah. Um, Saturday, muzzleloader come in, couldn't hunt him that morning because he was, he was so close to the blind I would have been hunting out of that with the wrong wind, there's no way I would have got away with it. So we <laughs> opted to, yeah, we opted to go in uh, that afternoon. And of course I roll over in the, in the bed that morning. I've got, I've got one of Spartan's new go live cameras that you can just turn on and make it start recording. Oh, so I roll cool. over in a, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So I roll over in the bed that Saturday morning, it's opening morning, a muzzleloader season. I could be hunting and turn the app on, hit the, hit the go live button. And he's literally standing right there in front of the camera. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. I squealed out loud. My wife, <laughs> like I woke her up. And, <laughs> you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. What's cool about it is you can start recording. You know, when, when you're, when you're looking at the video, you're just watching, you're, you're just an observer, but there's a record button so you can record it. So I got, I got probably 30 seconds of video of him and I turned it on at the exact right moment. He's standing on the left side of the frame and then he walks through the frame stops and then walks out of the frame it was just pure luck that i turned the camera on when i did uh, yeah that's intuition man deer hunting intuition right there i guess i guess pure <laughs> luck is what it was <laughs> but but anyway so we started we started hunting that evening uh i had a whitetail property sent me a cameraman down uh we we're we we're gonna try to film it for whitetail properties television so i called them wednesday said hey i've got this deer Wind's not right till Saturday afternoon. Can you get me a guy here Saturday midday? So they send me a cameraman down. Um, he got here about eleven o'clock. I was tied up with a with a uh, showing. I'm a land guy, I sell land for a living, and uh, I got there, picked him up about twelve. We we're in the blind. 
we saw no less than 30 deer. I would say probably 40 deer that evening. No, no good bucks, including the one I was after. Several, several young bucks, but does everywhere. I mean, this at one point in time, the field was empty, and all of a sudden, a parade of deer come in, and within a minute, there's 15 deer standing in front of us. It was, it was <laughs> just unbelievable what mm. a cold front and good food can do for you. Um, mm-hmm. So that was that was our Saturday evening. Came and went, you know, pretty uneventful. But I was really, you know, I thought, well, he'll be dead by he'll be dead by seven o'clock Sunday morning. You know, I was a little little over overconfident. So we get up, get in there extra extra early Sunday morning, and as so frequently happens, it was like somebody flipped switch. You know, we still saw deer, but not the volumes of deer. And we consistently had deer in front of us until about 11 o'clock, um, wow. which is kind of weird, you know, late season. But we're right. This this food plot is right on the edge of a real thick, nasty bedding area. So those does can be bedded 50, 60 yards off the field. They'll stand up, come out there, get them a bite, go lay down, chew their cut for a while. They'll come back and do it again. So, um, so we're seeing deer all throughout the day. And I'm getting a little old. It's hard for me to sit. All day. I do sit all day a lot, but after about five days of that dirt lake muzzler season, my hips were giving me such problems. I couldn't, uh, it, it was like, man, I, I can't handle a whole bunch of all day sits, you know, after this deer. So let's slip out. He's not been coming in midday. Let's slip out 1130, grab us a sandwich, stretch my legs. So my old butt doesn't get stiff. <laughs> and uh, all my young buddies here are dying laughing right now listening to this because they make fun of me about being old all the time. Oh, I'm really not. I'm happens, old 45. I just, I just feel <laughs> old. You know? yeah. um, but, um, but anyway, we go get us a bite to eat. We're back in the blind at one o'clock. At one o five, there's five deer standing in front of us. Oh my! And uh, I, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man. But what was funny is again that go live came in came in pretty pretty awesome because as we're slipping up on the food plot, I can turn it on to see if there's deer in the food plot, so we're not blowing him out in case he happens to be there. And there's nothing in the food plot, and we have to walk a hundred yards. And by the time we get over the rise to where I can see the food plot, there's a doe standing there. So it ha- she moved in that quickly. Um, and of course we got in the blind. She never ran off. We were able to get in the blind and, and she's like, Oh, what's those two big monkeys doing cl- climbing up there? You know? Um, but, uh, anyway, we get in the blind, get settled five deer in the field by one Oh five. And then it was a steady parade until three thirty. It was just constant all day long. No good bucks. Um, we did see a couple of different times. We saw a buck that my daughter had shot about a month earlier and did not kill any behind the tenderloin. Um, and he's as healthy as ever. Um, limps a little bit and we're still trying to get her on him, but I'm like, there he is. You know, I wish he was here with me. I'd, I'd rather shoot that deer than the deer I'm after, you know, get him, you, you know, get her taken care of yeah. kind of thing. But, um, so anyway, we're sitting there about 3.30. All of a sudden, someone flips the light switch again, and the deer just shut down. And I'm like, man, that is just it's so weird because yesterday it was just a steady parade, and 3.30, there's no deer in the food plot. We're getting close to prime time. There's nothing going going on, and sunset's here at 4.30, so we can hunt till 5. I got an hour and a half. Typically, that is the best hour and a half, and there was there was nothing, you know, and I thought, man, what is this deer? Is he, you know, he's going to outsmart me, you know. I'm going to have to hunt all week long to kill this thing. And um, as so often happens, you know, when things are slow, you're not on your toes. And I'm probably surfing Facebook or something, looking at everybody else's big deer. And my cameraman says, there he is. And I look up, it's 430 on the dot, right at sunset. 
And I look up, and he's standing there at 15 yards, walking straight away from us. Oh, there's my a, goodness. There's a, yeah, yeah. There's a heavy trail that comes in from the right. This is a power line food plot. There's a heavy trail that comes in from the right. And he had been coming from the left, crossing in front, and going out the right. Well, he did the exact opposite this evening and, and ended up you know, standing right there and walking straight away from us. And... I can't wait for this TV show to air um, for the simple fact that I sound like a 12-year-old boy who has never seen a deer in his life. <laughs> my my breathing is off the charts. I'm like, I'm huffing. I'm, it sounds like I'm hyperventilating. If you've ever, like, if you have children and you've ever, like, punished one of them and they get to crying so hard that they, they're kind of huffing and, you know, they're, like, trying to catch their breath, that's what I sound like. And I realize... <laughs> You sound like such a dang rookie. And at one point in time, the deer turns and he, he's he's about 55, 60 yards away from us. And he turns and he's walking straight to the right like he's going to leave. And I tell the cameraman, get ready. And he says, no, he's working a scrape. And I don't even realize he's right. I'm just thinking kill. You know, I'm going to kill. And he wants to get the footage of him working straight. And I just want to put my hands on him, you know. And um, so I'm like, okay. And thank God, because there is my my crosshair at that point, he was at 55 yards, which is close. My crosshairs at that point is bouncing from his belly to his back to his head to his butt. I mean, I'm I'm all over the place, and I couldn't get my breathing under control. I'm like, what is wrong with you, you rookie? And it's a gun. You know, I'm a bow hunter. This is a gun, and I'm feeling like this. And I finally, I even tell the cameraman, I'm like, I've never been this tore up on a buck with a gun. And to be honest, the only time that – my very first bow hunting trip ever was in 1995 to West Virginia with my best friend. We took leave from the military together, went there bow hunting. Um, and I was standing in the crotch of a red oak tree, October 15th, over the day of bow season, a little six pointer trots up under my stand. And I got like buck fever, like nobody's business. I'm, I'm froze. I can't raise my bow up. I can't, I, I didn't know what to do. You know, I didn't know how to stop him at that point. I was such a rookie. I had no idea what to do. I just literally watched him walk out of my life. And that was the last time I felt like this. And I'm shooting, you know, an eight pointer at 65 yards with a, with a McWhorter muzzle loader. That's literally like shooting with a 375 H and H. And I'm so tore up. I like a little girl in the, in the tree. Kind of, kind of embarrassing actually, but, Anyway, he, 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 yeah, he walks off of the scrape and walks about another 20 yards and starts angling towards the center of the food plot. It gives me that perfect quarter and away shot that's so, so devastating on a deer. And the rest is history. You know, I, I got calmed down enough to, to squeeze the trigger and that, that, that muzzleloader is so violent. Um, it just his his hind legs pull up in the air, and he just sets right down on his butt. And five seconds later, he's laying over dead. Um, it just happened that fast. There really isn't a more hectic situation than a deer comes from a direction you don't expect, and it surprises you, and is real close, just like Dave's talking about here. And you got to do things to mitigate how much uh, franticness you're going to experience in that. And let me tell you, getting a good quality release is going to help you a ton in that. So you need something like Cobra Archery offers, where they have the hook-style release, they have the pinch-on-style release, they even have the uh, you know, the non-wrist-rocket-style, the uh, um, you know, handheld thumb-button release types like the Harvester. And you need to find a release that's going to suit your needs, that you can practice with a ton. That way, when a big buck like that comes out, it's just second nature. You just clip on 
draw back, release, and you know, get your big deer. So uh, go check out CobraArchery.com if you're interested in some of their offerings. And uh, tell Jake we said howdy. Yeah, and at that point, it's all over but the crime, you know. So Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's like, I understand what you mean by, and we both do, uh, it's all over but the crime because that's what uh, we did all year. Every time we shot a deer, we cry. So <laughs> it's like, it's just, man, so, sometimes uh, it just means so much and the emotions are so much. I mean, most of the time, you know, and uh, if you ever lose that, you know, it's, that's what you don't want to happen. You know, you want to, you want that to happen. You want that emotion to be there, but dude, that's a, that's an awesome story. I think that, um, you know, last time we had you on one of the big, uh, kind of, uh, uh subjects we talked about was scrapes. Um, and you know, obviously this year was working a scrape there in, in, uh, early to mid December. Um, what, uh, can you, can, can you kind of lay out what, what it looks like and talk about also what your camera was on was it just on um a trail coming into that field or was it actually on a scrape and and talk about just the positioning a little bit a little bit of tactics here so that trail camera was was more on i'll use the old i don't even think plot watchers in existence anymore but i had it set up more as a plot watcher type camera Mm. Uh, a lot of camera would a lot of deer would trigger this food plot is about it's about 25 30 yards wide and about you know, muzzleloader range long, you know, 100, 125 yards long. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's setting up literally on the leg of my blind looking down down the food plot. So when I turn it on, I can see the entire food plot. Cool. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a pretty um, it's a pretty basic setup, and mm-hmm. I typically would have had a camera on a scrape on that field edge just to inventory the bucks that are coming in there, um, but. As, as most people know, when you when the bucks start breeding does, well, they stop working scrapes. You know, scrapes are the last thing on their mind once they actually are actively breeding does. But once those does are all bred during that first, I hate to call it a first rut, second rut, but that's truly what it is. That first rut's kind of out of the way. Well, those bucks are still anxious to find another doe. So for the next few weeks, they're looking, you know, they're it's not like it was before the rut, but there's still that activity going on. They're still out looking for does. And then as you get closer on, you know, 28 days later, you've got all the does that didn't get bred the first time. They're coming into estrus again. And then any fawns that are, are large enough and mature enough to come into estrus are, are starting to pop as well. So you get a little bit of a secondary run. And while we were there, man, we had some two-year-olds bumping does around and stuff, but this was really the only mature buck we saw because we saw any other mature buck would have shot him, you know, but uh, we weren't, <laughs> you know, this, this was the deer we were hunting, but that's only because he was the only mature buck I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So long story short, um, I, I, a lot of people make big claims about the secondary rut. We've got an even enough buck to doe ratio. We don't see a real heavy second rut, but there's always evidence of it. You know, I have mm-hmm. seen big bucks nailed down with a doe on December 8th before, you know, guarding off other bucks. You know, mm-hmm. she was hot and he's and he's guarding, right? One specific story, um, uh, got about five years ago, the same farm on December, and I said December 8th because of this specific story. I had, I had a mature buck, big buck, 165 
175, 170 mm. that we had never seen before or after. He showed up at 8 o'clock in the morning on December 8th, which happened to be our late muzzleloader season, <laughs> good food source. Nobody was hunting because we were all tagged out. And he was in there in daylight all day long until 4 p.m. So 8 to 4, we probably had him 10 or 12 different times on camera. And every time his doe was visible. Um, don't know where he came from. Where if she was one of our does, if she drug him there or mm-hmm. what, but if you were going to kill that deer on our farm, you had to be there December 8th between 8, 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. Um, yeah, that'll make you want to brand brand your does, won't it? That way you figure out what's going on. Never yeah. never thought about that. Well, maybe, I need, maybe I need to. You know. I think that's why the boys down there in South Texas put them ear tags in deer. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. man, you said uh, 28 days later, and I think that was a horror film from the mid-2000s, so I just kind of I, I just thought a little bit of uh, you know rabbit trail there that we could chase, but uh, you know it's we're actually coming up on that here in Texas, so I'm pretty pretty pumped about that. And you, it's kind of, or I mean the not the horror film, sorry, the uh, second rut at least. <laughs> um, and uh, Tyler and I are actually going hunting this evening and hoping to kind of get in on some of that action. And, and it intrigues me that that buck did something different than what you had him patterned at doing. Do you think that he kind of went into like a uh, post rut type uh, mentality and then that specific day he uh, got a whiff or some a doe led him to a different spot that night or why did he come a different direction that day? That's a great question. Um, I First of all, I had, I had had no pictures of him in the evening time. Mm-hmm. In the morning, every time I had a picture of him, he was going – towards where he came from in the evening. So uh, simplistically, he was probably bedded in that direction. And when I was catching him in the morning, he was going towards bedding and then he's coming back. It's a, that's the only thing I can say. What he did different that I had, had not documented was use his food plot in the evening. Now, I tell people all the time, just because you don't have a picture of a buck on a food plot doesn't mean that buck's not using it. That's one reason why I had the camera set up on plot watcher mode or our, our observing is so that if a deer triggered that camera, I could see what was in the distance. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I'm saying? So yeah. mm-hmm. um, I don't know that he did anything different. He definitely did something different than he did on Saturday because I was sitting there Saturday. He never showed up. Um, but Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he very well could have been in there. He could have been in that food plot on Monday and I just didn't get a picture of him. So mm-hmm. I, we, we use these trail cameras too much. And, and I, I say that I work for a trail camera company. They might not like me saying that, but we depend, <laughs> we depend on them. Let me say this. We depend on them too much. And I think as hunters, we probably lose some woodsmanship depending on trail cameras so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll be a popular comment with some folks. It'll be a very unpopular comment with other folks. And I'm somewhere <laughs> in the middle because I do depend on them a lot, mainly because my time is so limited. You know, I yeah. can't, I can't mm-hmm. go sit in a stand for a week at a time waiting on a deer to walk by that I might not exist. I need to know he's there. Mm-hmm. I need to know a pattern because my time is so limited. And I think that I probably fit the mold of most working class American deer. Sure. So, um, so that's why I think they're so important. But on the flip side of that, you know, I, I really don't know that he didn't do exactly that another day. And just because here's what's here's what's crazy is the angle of my camera. When he came out that evening, I was thinking, man, this would be awesome. If we got him on camera. Well, when I when I watched what he did, when he stepped out, he was directly in front of me, but right on the right edge of the food plot. He never triggered the camera because he never broke that beam to to, to even trigger the camera. Mm-hmm. He could have done that every day, and I would have never gotten his picture unless he happened to be standing in the right spot for another deer to trigger the camera once he was out of range of the camera. Does that mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. 
Something that was instrumental in Dave being able to target this deer was trail camera use. And it wasn't just trail cameras, you know, in the moment. It's like a season-long thing that you do as you're a trail camera guy. You're checking your cameras. You're making plans. You're you're scheming, which is so much fun. And, uh, man, we use a ton of Exodus trail cameras. And I'll tell you what, I've been targeting a deer on Texas Public here that uh, we've been looking at for seasons on end. Now, I mean, I think this is the third season that uh, we've got this deer on Exodus trail cameras. He's, he's a toad. I'm just going to say that. And, uh, man, without those reliable trail cameras that take good, clear pictures, night day um, no matter what I wouldn't have the data that I have to chase this deer and have encounters with him so go check out exodusoutdoorgear.com if you need a great trail camera or if you're looking to get a good Christmas gift for yourself yeah that's that's uh, that's the truth man and, and honestly it uh, speaks to your passion and testament uh, you know to be able to just give it to us frank on the way trail cameras work and uh, Todd and I have actually ran into that um, on the place that we're going tonight, actually, <laughs> funny enough, like it's a place you know that there are more deer moving through than what you're getting on camera because there's no well-defined. This is the trail, you know, and yeah. uh, unless you're, unless you set your camera up on the absolute best pinch point, that like it's absolutely not catching every deer that goes through there. So uh, you know, you, right. you you definitely are on point with that, and uh, you know you're you're talking about being a busy guy and uh, you know being a working class fellow which you know i understand 100 percent, man and uh you're pretty passionate about what you do for a living why don't you tell us a little bit about you know your your land sales and stuff like that i have i work for whitetail properties real estate it'll be nine years since coming may um and i'm i got a couple of buddies that give me crap about all the things i have done but this is now the i have now done this longer than anything else um i was a cop for six years which was the previous record you know so um i, I think i have finally settled into my stride um and I, I don't just sell hunting lamb but that probably makes up about 75 percent of of what i do mm-hmm. um i i'm not your typical real, uh, real estate agent i don't sell three bedroom two baths on a corner lot you know i'm mm-hmm. selling um you know a, a timber frame log cabin on 300 acres or i'm selling a 50 acre hunting track to a guy from alabama um you know or maybe a 500 acre track to a doctor from downtown you know that kind of thing yeah. so um, it's all, all about land um and as, as a whole our company does it pretty dang good you know we we have we have been in the land business um for for quite a while and and have got it figured out i, I would say um uh and it's the most rewarding career i could ever ask for um it, it allows me some time i get to do things that other people probably don't do and I, I call myself working class i absolutely am but my job also does afford me a lot of flexibility i mean i i killed a really nice buck in kansas this year i got to kill a buck in illinois this year um so i get to travel some probably wouldn't have traveled as much had i had a Kentucky buck to hunt early on. Um, but, uh, um, but it is, it is what it is, you know? And, uh, um, so it's, it's a, it's a pretty rewarding career, um, in, in multiple, multiple ways. Um, you know, so. Yeah, man, that's awesome. We'll definitely link to, uh, you know, your, your page there on Whitetail Properties. Uh, you sell in Kentucky. Uh, is that exclusively Kentucky? I do. Yeah. I mean, I've I've helped clients in other states. Matter of fact, my the buck I killed in Kansas was on a client's farm that I helped him. I helped him. So if somebody's looking for something anywhere, call me. I'll, I'll help you. We've got agents in thirty five states now, so we've got a heck of a network, man. And if you yeah. want, whether it's you want to kill giants in Iowa or, or you want to 
hunting gators in South Georgia, man, we can we can set you up. So give me a shout. I can yeah. I can surely point you in the right direction. There might be a you know business opportunity to, to uh, start you know gator properties LLC as opposed to whitetail properties. So you know maybe we need <laughs> no, I'm kidding, man. We'll definitely link to that well, stuff below. You know you joke you joke about that, but in the early days of whitetail, they started branching out some other brands like they own waterfowl properties, um, oil and mineral or gas and mineral oil and mineral properties. I think, and yeah. now we've broken into to ranch and farm auctions um so we 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 do it all um, yeah we don't have that brand but uh if you want a gator farm we can sure sell you one <laughs> i believe it, man you might sell i still ask who knows you know but <laughs> dave it's cool man you've had an awesome season congrats on the big buck there in kentucky and, and you know pushing through uh kind of some uh tough uh tough hunting to make it happen man that's 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 real cool dude so congratulations thanks guys Man, what an awesome story about a big buck. Guys, we want to say a big thanks to Exodus Trail Cameras and Cobra Archery for being a part of this big buck breakdown. For sure, man. And also, if you want to check out what we do on a daily basis, maybe even see some of these big bucks, go to Instagram and follow us at The Element Wild. And then also subscribe on YouTube to keep up with what we're doing throughout the season. And subscribe on the podcast. And remember, this is your element. Living it. Cause a lot of frustration Brothers let's forgive and forget Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E.com. And use the code COUNTRY. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.